dark nights are filled up with troubled dreams and days filled with doubt and despair. I turn my eyes up above and look to the mercies of the one whose unfailing love is faithfully there. Uh, you and I here in South Florida uh, live in a place where we are told constantly to prepare for an emergency, a big emergency. It's called hurricanes. We live in a hurricane area. I get a kick out of folks from the north that move down here, and we have a hurricane, they act like they're stunned. They act like they're surprised. When we had one year, I think it was 205, where we had four hurricanes cross over us. They basically crossed over Florida, four hurricanes, two this way and two that way. And I had a lot of the northern folks coming to me and saying, well, we're selling out and moving. I said, you're selling out and moving. I said, we ain't going to live down here with hurricanes. I said, you knew that before you ever set foot in Florida. This is a hurricane place, a place where hurricanes traditionally come. In fact, there's been a study of a 100-year study. And I can guarantee, according to that study, they guarantee that we will have three Force five, that's the one, that's the bad boy. That's the one that hit Mexico Mexico Beach, that area. By the way, has anybody driven through Highway 10 towards Pensacola? That's 50 miles from the coast. Those trees are broken off about halfway up. They're twisted off. That was the power of that thing, 50 miles inland. I had never seen, except for, over there in 1992, the same kind of thing we saw over in Miami and uh, Florida City, uh, absolute and total, it looked like an atomic bomb dropped and just flattened everything in two different directions because the trees were, they, they fell like this because the eye went over that area and, it, and the wind comes top. But anyway, I never seen anything like it. I was, again, got a high respect for a Force 5 hurricane, but according to the sources, of National Hurricane Center, there's going to be three Force 5 hurricanes hit Florida within the 100-year period of time. So if you live to be 80, you very well may see all three, or you may only see one. It's possible two of them could come within a 20-year period. It happened in the 20s. Two Force 5s came through, I think it was 1924, 1928, and destroyed the bridge the, the railroad bridge to Key West destroyed that thing. That was all concrete and stuff. They never had any anticipation that was going to happen, uh, at least that close together. But we know that a bad hurricane is going to hit us. We know it. We just don't know when. We don't know when. But we know the statistics, and we know that these three Cat 5. Now, let me try to explain a Cat 5 hurricane. A Cat 5 hurricane is 200 mile an hour plus often sometimes 235 sustained wind. The roof on this building, the roof on this uh, structure would probably be off on all of the roofs would be gone. If the walls didn't cave in, they may or may not. But from what I've seen at Cat 5, nothing, no structure really survives uh, intact. I mean, there were a few solid concrete structures that they built. In fact, that Mexico Beach, a guy had just finished a house right up there, 
and I guess he had very little to minimal damage. So, but it was it was a poured concrete house, and it had cables that tied it down, and and he'd run cables through the concrete and stuff, and done a man. I mean, just an elaborate job. I mean, and he was hurricane proof. He came out of that thing. Of course, he's the only house in the whole neighborhood. Pretty lonely, huh? With no electricity, no water, no nothing for no who knows how long. Um, but you actually possibly can build, but these buildings are not up to that. Our gymnasium's only up to 170 mile an hour, and it begins to twist after that, and begins to twist around the metal, and it makes it basically worthless. It has to be torn down and rebuilt. And so it, we know what's coming. We know it's devastating. The last one we had here was 1960. It was called Donna. But Donna, uh, when it hit, had a much, much smaller population in our area. Much smaller, much smaller. My Fort Myers Beach had less than 3,000 people. There were no condos on Fort Myers Beach, none. No high-rises. So when Donna hit, that though the, da the damage was devastating for the people who were here, there weren't a lot of people here, and there were no high-rises along Naples, <clears throat> no high-rises along Bonita, along Sanibel. Those places just had houses, which many of them were destroyed, but they weren't worth a lot of money. Uh, none of those five-story mansions that you see along Bonita Beach now. Have you ever gone around Bonita Beach and looked at some of those? <laughs> those people are out of their mind. They're building five, six million dollar houses on the beach there. Now, don't they know what I'm just telling you? I guess they do. Um, but if you live here, you own here, well, you know these things are coming. You should not even be surprised because you have been warned. And you've been warned regularly, consistently warned by every 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 uh, weather station and weather people. You're given instructions before it happens. You're given lists, pre-printed on what to do before a hurricane. Um, these preparations before a hurricane take at least a half a day, or you're given three or four day warning. Uh, you should get your vital records organized, waterproof. Oh, I say vital records, we're talking about Social Security, we're talking about uh, uh, deeds of ownership, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, passports, things that would be hard to replace. Uh, you want to have them in a bag uh, where you can just grab them and go with a few other little things, but the, the big things that you can't replace. Um, you're supposed to uh, protect your windows. All new homes now. I think I got this right. All new homes now have to have some sort of hurricane window protection. Is that right? And so I did my own. I put it on my home um, years ago, 20 years ago. And so I put them up, by the way, four, five, six hurricanes, and they've helped me. I had a big old limb hit one this year during Irma, 143 mile an hour at my house, and dented the panel but didn't break the window, didn't bother it. And I was like, yeah, all that work. Um, we're supposed to. You're supposed to get extra water. I have plenty of that at my house. Um, you're supposed to get extra fuel. I just bought 25 gallon. 20. I bought five five gallon cans of, of gasoline, and uh, in metal cans, which are the safest cans. By then, plastic cans will, are very dangerous. These firemen are very dangerous. Plastic cans will hurt you. Uh, 1,200 people already have died from using plastic gas cans because they have a little static electricity short and blow up in their face. 
If you don't, if you don't believe me, just get on the internet and start asking those questions, and you'll start seeing it. But so I went to all metal cans, which are easily grounded, and so I got five five-gallon OSHA metal cans full of fuel. I've got 50 gallons of diesel fuel at my house for preparation for the hurricane. I've gone to some expense. I've gone to some trouble. Um, you're supposed to. Extra batteries. I bought some extra batteries. I, I have extra food. I've gone to a lot of trouble on this food thing. I bought 300 channel cat fish. Catfish are about this long, about three, two years ago, and I put them in my pond. Now, uh, Brother uh, Morris will testify, some of them are like eight pounds, seven, eight pounds. He's gotten broken off lately in my house a couple of times. And uh, what is that? That's hurricane food. That's hurricane food. Swimming, breathing hurricane food. And, and it's not just for me. It's for my neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm preparing for my neighbor and myself. What an opportunity for Christians to shine in a, in a crisis moment. Um, I bought three or four or five chainsaws. I got three, four, five chainsaws. Uh, I have sharpeners. I have chains, extra chains. I've got all kinds of things to help people. Why do I have all that? To help not just me. The brother uh, Chris, was his first hurricane was Irma. Uh, and, and he sent his wife away and kid away, which I kept begging him not to do it, but nevertheless, uh, he stayed. He stayed at my house, which I was glad for because I knew after the hurricane I was going to need some muscle. And a neighbor near is better than my son far away. You know, he's way down here. Man, Chris is at the house, man. I And so, man, Chris, we got out there and we started cutting trees that fallen over. <laughs> then we got in our car. That was Monday morning. And we just came in here, repaired whatever we had to repair here to make sure the church wasn't leaking. And then we started going out, went to Gene Powell's house and cut some stuff down, went to Troy's house and cut some stuff down, went to Ron, started going helping people. For the next two or three days, I used those chainsaws and that gas and all of that stuff in preparation to help other folks. I believe you ought to have a gun. And you ought to know how to use it. Because your, your law enforcement are not going to be able to get to you. And you know, there are bad people in the world. Duh. And so sometimes bad people take advantage of storms like that to try to loot. And, uh, and so you need, you need a weapon. I recommend highly AR-15, but nevertheless, uh, you need to have some sort of a weapon. And, and I could just go on and on with the preparations that need to be done. Uh, our text, which I have not read yet, I realize that. I'm getting ready to read. Uh, reminds us of a coming event that we all know in this room, we all know it's inevitable. We all know it's unavoidable. And absolutely a sure thing. Death. Death. Take your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 14. I'm reading through my book, and, and, and I go over this verse, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit just like stops me. It says that. Go back over that. I go back over it. And I get impressed heavily to look at that further. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold thy days approach that thou must die. God's given Moses a heads up. 
He's given him an honest warning. Now days are coming that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves to the tabernacle congregation that I may give him a charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves to the tabernacle congregation. Uh, I know that, in, in, you know, the last couple of spells I've had and gone to the hospital have, have been a heads up from God. This could be it. When I got a head on, I was going real happy, opening day deer hunting, and that head on we, we did with, I had, we had, uh, just being a preacher don't stop you from any tra tragedy, trust me. Hal Hightower's driving, his son's in behind me, and I'm in the front, and we get, we, you know, these people had hit head on, and we hit them, and uh, it was something else. I've never been in an accident like that in my life, and anything hit any harder than that. And it reminded me how easily I, I broke my sternum, but I thought maybe I had internal bleeding, and it takes about 15, 20 minutes to bleed out. And so I'm sitting out there in this cornfield thinking I'm bleeding out because the pain was so bad. I said, well, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I, I'm, I, I wanna, I'm looking for the angel. He don't show. Another no-show. And uh, <laughs> another no-show on the angel's part. You know, but what was God doing for me? He was doing me a favor. Even though I preach about death, I talk about death, because if you're in the Bible, you're getting a heads up when you read the book, aren't you? What I preached about this morning was a heads up. There's a reward for those who serve God, a great reward, a reward worthy, worthy of your sacrifice and worthy of your, your laying down everything valuable in this life for God, worthy of everything you do, past worthy. And that, that's a heads up. And this is a heads up to He gave a heads up to Moses. Behold, thy days approach that thou must die. Now, he didn't have to do that. He didn't owe Moses that. But he did that. And this is not a new concept that, you're, that you have to die. It's not a new concept. What I'm talking to you tonight about is ancient knowledge. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 3, 1 through 2, some of you 60s people remember the birds. They use the Bible here. To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. You remember that? Now remember that song? To everything, turn, 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 there is a season. How many remember that? Be honest with me. Yeah. Do you know God uses the heathen to praise him? Here it is, a rock band uses a portion of the King James Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in this rock song. But even in that rock song, they use, I thought to myself in the 60s, look at that. God's having his word out there and something else, something else. To everything there's a season. He was reminding them there's a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pick up, a time to uh, pick up that which is planted. Number is death. But what is death? Death is a leaving. Death is a departing. It is not a cessation of existence. It is not ceasing to exist or non-existence in any way. Uh, this too is ancient knowledge. Uh, Rachel, Genesis chapter 35, verse 18. It came to pass as her soul was in departing. What is that? That's death. For it says, for she died. That's the text. For she died. And as her soul was in departing, for she died, and she called his name Benoni, uh, but his father named him Benjamin. She was a little depressed when she named the kid. But anyway, 
Never in the Bible is death represented as you cease to exist and all your troubles go away. Oh, no. These people that kill themselves. I, I tell people sometimes come to my office and give me a heads up that they've been thinking about killing themselves, and I always go, whoa, man, whatever happens, don't kill yourself. Because as soon as you kill yourself, you're facing God. And it's not going to get better for you having insulted the authority of God in taking your own life. It's God's choice when you die. It's God's choice when you were born. And I don't think it's going to fare well for anybody that presumes on God and takes his prerogative away from him by killing themselves. Now, people ask me all the time, can you be saved and kill yourself? Let me ask you a question. Can any sin separate you from the love of God? You know the Bible. Can angels or principalities or powers or things present, things to come, nothing separates you from the love of God. If I could separate myself from the love of God through killing myself, that means I may be able to separate myself through committing adultery, or I may be able to separate myself through swearing, or I may be able to separate myself through some other sin. The point being, we don't presume on God, but his salvation is not flimsy. His salvation is deep and wide, uh, the depth and the height and the breadth of it. are, And, and so when he, when he seals you with the Holy Spirit, brother, you're sealed unto the day of redemption. That's what the Bible says. God's confident of that or he wouldn't say it. He says it. You're sealed under the redemption. And so um, her soul is the problem. So when people kill themselves, they're not improving their situation, which is what they're trying to do. They're oftentimes trying to run away from a problem. Uh, uh, sometimes there's other reasons why they do it, but that's the main one I hear about. And I say, your problems just got worse. Because once you die, your free will's over. You ever thought about that? You got free will right now, right? You all have free will? You all decided to come to church tonight? That's free will. You all decided what you were going to eat today? That's free will. You all decided what you're going to wear today? That's free will. I don't know how much free will we're going to have like that in heaven. I don't know. Uh -uh. I don't think you're going to be doing your own thing in heaven. I think his servant shall serve him like a military, like the Marine. I asked, I asked CW, I said, what about joining Marines? He says, well, if you, if, you, if you like guys ordering you around, you can be a Marine, right? They order you around, don't they say? They tell you when to get up. That, that general you guarded, he told you when you were going to, basically kind of when you're going to get up, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and uh, that's under authority. And, and, and really, that's not a bad place to be, really. And I, I want to serve Jesus. And if he says, go do this, go do that, I'm like, I'm, I'm on it, man. I'm all in. Let's do it. Let's go. And so what people somehow believe that when they die, they're going to get a bunch of freedom, but they're not going to get That's going to be, I believe, restricted further than what you've had here. This is, I mean, I, you know, you, you can debate me on that, but I don't think it's going to be any better. And so we see Jacob, Genesis chapter 49, verse 33, when Jacob had made, made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost, his spirit, and was gathered into his people. Now that is something else. That's the way I People come to me and says, how do you do that? Doc, how do you do that? 
you, you give your, you tell your, you basically prophesy to your children, this one's going to be this and this one's going to be this. You get done with that. You raise your feet up, put them in your bed, take your last breath. Wow, what a way to go, man. Hmm. Well, he was a special guy with God. Isaac, the Bible says, was gathered under his people, Genesis 35, 29. Isaac gave up the ghost, that's the spirit, and he died. Notice the order. Gave up the ghost and died. From what I've been able to read, science does not know what life is. They don't know what it is. There's something in you that when it leaves, your whole system changes. You've touched a dead body. You've been around dead people. They're different than live people. Dead people are not live people. There is something radically different. You can almost walk in a room and say, that guy's dead. There's something missing. There's an emanate, something from a live person emanates from them. It's, it's a spirit, what it is. A spirit witnessing, my spirit witnessing with your spirit. And there's an animation, of course, in the breathing and things. But it's bigger than the heat, bigger than the breathing, bigger than all that. There's a spirit touching spirit. And I've had relatives die. And when relatives die, you're going, that's not them. They're not, they're gone. And, and you don't have to know a lot about the Bible to, just to feel that, to know that. That's because they departed. They're, they gave up the ghost, and then the body died. Because the body has to have whatever that thing is called soul, has to have that be there for your body to function. And it says they, they, they gave up the ghost, died, and it was gathered to his people. Now, there's the three things together that I'm going to mention. So the same phrase is used for, by the way, Ishmael. Aaron, and other people. There's three things happen when people die. They give up the spirit, their body dies, and they're gathered to their people. Uh, my dad, kind of humorously, one day I got in, a, after eating dinner with him, got in a car and he said, I want to ride with you. I go, uh-oh, you want to ride with me? Yeah, I want to ride with you. So he rode with me. And he says, uh, I'm going to go back to my people. I said, go back to your people. Your people are all gone. I'm your people. You're stuck with me. You're not going back to your people. I'm going to go back to Elkhart where my people are. I said, there are no people in Elkhart. There's just a few, one sister and a brother. There are no, I'm your people. But his, he was coming to death. He, was, he died shortly not long after that. He was beginning to feel that gathered to his people thing. Now, I'm, gonna tell, I'm, I'm talking about something that has been written in books, has been witnessed hundreds of times. It's just too many testimonies not to have some truth to it. This thing about being gathered to your people. Um, maybe this is why the testimony has been recorded so many times that when people are coming to death, they say they see loved ones in the room. They see their mother. They see their father. They see their kids. They see that these are people that have died now. How many, have, how many have heard about that? You've heard it back there. You've heard about it. Yeah. Over and over. Credible. I mean, some of it may not be so credible. But when you hear it hundreds and hundreds of times, you got to believe it's somewhat credible. So is it possible that the Bible is... Exactly true. 
Is it possible that it's literally true? We say we believe the Bible literally in a normal historical sense. Gathered to your people. Oh, interesting. Jesus yielded up the ghost. The Bible says in Matthew 27, 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and then he, he died. So your spirit must leave to, for your body to give up his existence. So it makes sense in Genesis where he says, from dust thou art taken, and dust thou shalt return. Who was he talking to? He was, but he wasn't talking to Adam's soul. He wasn't talking to Adam's spirit. He was talking to Adam's body. For years, I thought he was talking. I said, what in the world? I mean, people that believe in soul sleep and you go back to this earth and all that, they jump all over that. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. He was talking about Adam's body. My body is made out of this earth, right? It came from this earth. It's, it's chemically this earth. And if you lay this thing in the dirt for very long, you don't put, you don't put formaldehyde in it, and you, you, you will eventually be consumed again or welcomed back again. Your body will be inculcated again into the earth, right? You'll turn back to dirt. You'll turn back to basically dirt. I always tell my wife, we're putting the bodies of a whole bunch of people around your flowers. Where does dirt come from? Death. Death. Decay of plant life. I don't know any kind of thing. It goes back to that. If the Bible said nothing about death or dying, you and I have enough evidence around us to prepare us and to warn us that death is coming. Loved ones dying, friends dying, people in the news dying, as you hear about. A death is literally all around us. It is screaming at us. The time of your dying is at hand. And you say, well, I'm young. I got a lot of years left. Nobody can say that with assurance. If, if people have been in a medical profession say, we bury him, and especially I've been around enough morticians in my life to tell you, I, we bury them young, we bury them middle-aged, we bury them in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, 80s. And of course, when you get old, they expect you to die, right? But when they, you get, he said, in fact, one, one mortician, I was doing a funeral up in, uh, oh man, up where Wikiwachi is, but I can't remember the name of the city. Uh, and the mortician was very, very upset. He said, I have buried more 35-year-olds lately what is going on? He thought I, as a pastor, knew there was some sort of biblical thing going on, and these 35-year-olds were all dying. Well, I said, well, the Bible does say in the end days men's hearts will be failing them for fear. I says, is that what you think that's happening? He says, I don't know, but I've been burying a lot of 35-year-olds. So you don't be cocky if you're 35. I'm 35. I got a long life. You don't have a long life necessarily. Now, you may be sitting back and saying, what about the rapture of the church? That is going to interrupt this whole process. I'm for it. I won't mind missing the process of death. I can tell you that right now. Uh, you know, uh, why not? But if, unless that happens, that you're going to go the way of all men. You're in, you've been given a heads up on it. Uh, okay, uh, we, we know that we have death coming. We know that it is departing. We don't know when it happens, or we don't quite know what happens in the whole thing. Um, but to deny it's crazy. 
to not prepare for it is absolutely insane. Just like ignoring the coming hurricane would be crazy. Uh, I think you should be prepared, my brother and sister, for death. It's coming. Be prepared. Well, you're here tonight. Most of the people here tonight understand, care about it, partially because you love, the, love God, love Jesus, and you do care about that. But think of how many people are out there living with abandon, having not even investigated it carefully. I mean, I tell people that are lost, you at least owe it to yourself to investigate whether the Bible's true. You at least owe it to yourself to read the Bible. I'm talking, and I, and I don't tell them to read the Old Testament. Sorry. I tell them, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, over and over and over. Read it three or four times. Is your soul not worthy and not worth the effort of reading four books of the Bible four or five times? Surely your soul and eternity is more valuable than the time it would take to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John three or four times, right? I mean, everybody out there should have read the Bible carefully, the New Testament, especially carefully. If you had, they get ready for hurricanes. They got their little stuff all ready to go, put in a car. Yeah, they do. Questions they should search out. The average person should search out questions like, what happens after death? Where do I go? Do I answer for my sins? or my wrongdoings? Am I going to be held responsible for my actions? Is there a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned? I think they should be prepared. Common sense would say that we should spend time and effort to find the answers to these questions and more before you die. Job asks a question. I believe Job, credibly, is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Older than the Pentateuch. If a man die, shall he live again? That's been on the mind. Job didn't have a Bible. Job didn't have a Bible. He asked the questions. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. I like his attitude about, about death. It's not a cease to exist. It's a change. Amen. Don't you? You know, why, why is it that God said, if you live 70 years, you know, that's going to be the average. But if you live much past 70, it's going to be with labor and sorrow up to 80. Why do you think that he has being old so tough? I'm 67. I'm going to tell you, being getting old is not for sissies. Tom, he's had a couple parts taken out of him already. You know, today you're not supposed to say anything about medical. They make a sign you're not to reveal medical records. I don't care who knows what. I tell them, tell anybody on the forum, tell anybody and everybody you want to tell. Bill Lytell. Why in the world do we even have a law about that? You go to the hospital, you're sick as a dog, something's going bad, and they make you sign about eight forms. You don't quite know what they say. I think they own your kids, they own your house, they own everything else. I mean, just sign it, sign it, sign it, sign it. You know? Here you are, you can't think straight. My dad had a brain tumor. They're in there doing an uh, MRI on him, asking him questions. I look at the nurse. I get really closer. I get in her face, and I say, why are you asking my dad questions? He's got a brain tumor, and he's not thinking straight. Well, he's the only one we can get authority from. He's not able to do it. 
the system's broken. It's broken. The thing's broken. Things broken. I like Jesus in Matthew 16, 26. For what a, what is a man profitable if he shall gain the whole world <clears throat> and lose his own soul? He prepared for this life. He worked hard, and he should. You know, the Bible says, uh, <clears throat> says a lot of good stuff. It says, uh, a man that doesn't, a man that doesn't supply for his family is worse than an infidel. That's a paraphrase. And so the Bible doesn't look, look the Bible does not look well on a lazy person. Ooh. But a guy will prepare, he'll start a business, he'll succeed, he'll invest his money, he'll buy homes, he'll do this, he'll diversify, he'll get a lawyer, he'll get an accountant, he'll do all this other stuff, pay his taxes, get right, make sure he's right with the IRS, but he doesn't do a whole lot of work for what's going to be eternal, which is his soul. That's what Jesus is saying. What a prophet man, he gained the whole world and loses his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The blood of Jesus Christ is all you're going to be able to give. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, that's it. Amen? Boy. So praise God, he's given us a heads up about dying. I thank God for that. Amen? I'm glad for that. I think it's good. The Bible answers the questions. And everything that you need to know about dying and what happens after, the Bible gives you the answer for it. They're available for you to know. They're clear and simple. And I think everybody should give them a good consideration examination. This should motivate us to read the book. You want to know what's going to happen eternally? Read the book. Oh, preacher, I begin to read the book. I, 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 I get confused. Well, then get Alexander Scorby. It's in the bulletin for 20 bucks. You get Alexander Scorby, you download the app to your phone, he'll read it for you. And by the way, if I may say, he'll do a better job. He'll read you the book. And you can, you can listen to him. And may the Lord help you be prepared. One of my jobs as a pastor is to help you be prepared for, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. That that day that you meet him, you'll not be ashamed. That you'll be looking forward I like the Bible where it says to them, the love is appearing. Are you looking for Jesus appearing? You may see him tonight. Do you love his appearing? Oh, I hope so. He loves those who love him. Father, we just thank you tonight for the word of God. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you that you gave Moses a heads up and so many other people down the road a heads up. The time you're dying is coming near. You, the Bible says in Joel, we, you put wrinkles on us and and all the, the things that go with being old to give us a heads up that your, our time of departure is, is near. It's, it's not that far away to be ready. Help us to use our days here to the fullest. There'll be somebody in this room without Christ or Savior. May they prepare for that day, first and foremost, by having their sins forgiven and under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ by simple childlike faith. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Trust him. Father, you come tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website 
gospelbaptistchurch.com or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.